are listening to Adjective New Music's podcast, Lexical Tones. I'm your host, Rob McClure. In-depth, intentional, introspective. David Q. Nguyen is a composer of concert music where his current interests lie in composing acousmatic works dealing with multi-channel loudspeaker expansion, sound spatialization, and immersive audio. David holds a BM from Old Dominion University where he studied with Andrei Kasparov and Mark Chambers. He has received his master's and is pursuing a doctorate of musical arts degree at the University of Illinois Urbana-Champaign, where his primary teachers are Sever Tipe and Scott A. Wyatt. All right, well, uh, good to see you again. Um, good to see you, man. Yeah, it's been a while. One of those, one of those festivals. Yeah, back bef- SC- bef- yeah, Eastern Illinois. The, yeah, before the before the hellscape that is our current lives. Um, (laughs) anyway, so, um, yeah, man, like we're going to talk about, uh, two of your pieces tonight, uh, both fixed media pieces. And I wanted to start off, uh, with your piece, uh, Adumbrations. Um, you know, uh, so tell me about this piece. You're, you're using tongue twisters as some of the primary sound material, but there's so much more going on than that. So, so let's just start off like who, you know, who are we hearing? Who's the the voice that's being sampled? And uh, what were the different tongue twisters that you used for uh, for this piece? Um, they were, so two were um, former students of mine. Um, they're both uh, musical theater and like show tune singers. Um, one is, uh, her name's Caroline McKinsey. The other is Logan Piker. And the other vocalist is Elizabeth Gartman. She's also a composer and a really excellent vocalist. She can sing all like the Vayburn stuff. And Oh, man. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Um, so basically, the primary sources are, is just these two tongue twisters. Um, primarily being spoken by um, Logan and um, Caroline. And these are just the uh, tongue twisters where you, if you say them incorrectly... Um, it sounds like curse words. Right. Um, the one the one is I slit the sheets, the sheets I slit, I sitteth on the sheets I slit. Is that what Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, the yeah, original yeah. one. Uh, but if you say it faster, you're gonna say shit in there somewhere. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um I did do recordings of them deliberately saying curse words, but I yeah. didn't use that one. Like it, it took we we did many a lot of takes. Not like because they did it wrong, it's just like just did different you know say it different ways um um say it fast as they can and stuff like that um liz she probably just sang notes because i I needed pitch material Uh um she's mainly an i guess an opera singer but i didn't want to make it sound like opera you know because then like why to me in my ears like fixed media and voices right I particularly didn't want exact singing because it kind of defeats the purpose of what fixed media is and like yeah. accusmatic music and stuff like that. And if I did that, it would just be like, why don't I just write like a regular voice piece with real singing in it or something? Yeah. Yeah. What was the What was the other tongue twister? Because you can kind of only barely get hints of it. Oh, it was um. I am not. A pheasant plucker. I'm a 
I'm the pheasant plucker's son, something like that. And yeah, but if if you say it wrong, it sounds like pleasant. I'm a pleasant fucker, you know. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> That's right. Okay. <laughs> um, you know, as as we're as we're gonna kind of talk about with uh, with these two works, I wanted to kind of like dive into how you work on fixed media. You know, what is what is your starting point? Do you kind of map things out or are you just working directly with the sound material in a linear way? Are you, how are you keeping form in mind as you're working like any of that? Okay. Um, essentially well, most like my late, my later works starting, I guess, starting with like the work before adumbrations, but it really blossom with adumbration is I generally come up with a concept and I really think about like the medium of acousmatic music and and it's sort of like a a narrative, you know. Um cuz you're using real world sounds. Um but also in a way when you strip the visual aspects, you're also undermining the origin of the source. So I was trying to undermine especially with adumbrations how um undermine correctness. Yeah. With uh, mistakes. <laughs> so the mistakes itself becomes like a sound source. Um, but generally, formally, I do come up. It, it, I've been taking different approaches. Sometimes I would try to write the program notes out first, like see what I'd try, like I'm trying to say. Um, clearly, that changes as I compose. Or like I, you know. In all honesty, adumbrations is just sonata form. But I find ways to undermine, undermine the form of it. And really? Like okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, I can like thoroughly go over what like where the sections are and everything. Uh, wow. So yeah, but like it's kind of the sonata form, the the notion of sonata form, and it's in a in a way is undermined like our expectations of it in that piece. Mm-hmm. Um, and essentially you never in adumbrations you don't ever get the full text of like, right. the um, but you do get it in Morse code <laughs> but we in my in my ears or hopefully in the listeners ear like I hope it I hope they perceived it as like just sounds like music but if you understood yeah. Morse code you would hear like you would understand that it's the real tongue twister but then there's, more, that's, there's Morse yeah, code for, in this too, man. <laughs> yeah, like it's like it's around like five five minutes to seven minutes, and it's just like okay. if you really listen closely, it's like these beeps. Yeah, and it's just and it's just it's just and I morph the beeps into like kind of like drones in space, while like using sibilant sounds matching with the the Morse code. Yeah. So so it's kind of like beat matching essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's that's in a way to me it's undermining the text with Morse code, so you're just hearing it instead of just hearing it as like the text, you're hearing it kind of like music, you know? Yeah, it's so it's so funny that you know you're you're telling me that it's sonata form because you know it when you listen to this piece it really has a kind of organic, almost sectionless feel to it. Like it yeah. never, you know, it never strays too far from the sound world that you've created, but 
you know, there, there are also those, those pieces where you can feel clear delineations. Yeah, and I yeah. think, I think at this piece, you maybe had like, maybe had one where I really felt like, okay, we're, this is something new. We're, we're moving onward, which was probably, if I'm thinking about it in terms of sonata form, it's probably the beginning of the recapitulation that I felt, you know? Um, so that, that's really interesting when, you know, you, you start with a concept and then you're collecting sounds. Like what, what's the next step after the concept? Um, so basically the concept and the recording process generally happen at the same time mm-hmm. for, for me. Um, so I would, I honestly just record with the mixer like all the time. So, um, I mean, like at Illinois, we have like you know, like all these nice. I mean, not like six-digit consoles, but like pretty nice consoles and all this hardware. I love using. And I actually got some of the hardware myself because you know I was like, I can't, I can't live without this stuff. Right. Yeah. You gotta. Um, so I mean, I think of it as like when I'm recording, it's kind of like, I mean, it's a magnifying glass. So I like to like use EQ a lot. Um, it's, it's more enhancing and not correcting corrective EQ because I like to enhance certain frequencies. Um, but like that kind of like it's extracting musical material of the source that, in a way, I guess Pierre Schaefer would call it like reduced listening. But I think yeah. it's more it's more like you're trying to find musical meaning, which is in a way abstract, uh, but is is more figurative when I'm doing the recording process. So it's kind of understanding the musical aspect of the recorded sound. Mm-hmm. Um, after that, I, re- I re- usually record like hundreds of sounds even sometimes. And uh, my poor vocalist, you know, they're in there for hours. <laughs> uh, but, you know, it was, it was fun. And after the recording, I would process sounds. Um, so... I would process the two different in this piece. I process process the two different tongue twisters um, differently in a way, um, and I don't process like all my sounds at once because then it's the same type of pro. I get lost in processing. That's like, and then you get lost in form and section. So I only generally make ten sounds first, and see mm-hmm. if I can actually make a section with these ten sounds only. And then if I feel ready, I go on to the next section and stuff like that. So hmm. overall, and also during the composition process, I, I process the sounds as well. It's like, oh, this sound needs more reverb. So I do all that. I feed the, the gesture like, to the console and like, re-record it back in with some kind of processing. What what are your primary like programs that you're working with when you're when you're doing this? Obviously, you know you're you're recording sounds live, and uh, or I mean you know ac- acoustic sounds that you're gonna like take in and do stuff with. But what are the what are the programs? What's the software that you're using? Uh, generally, um, you know the good old GRM tools. Yep. Um, I, I really like those. It's very intuitive. Um, you can make it not sound like GRM tools. Like no one would know 
Yeah, I could probably say something else and people wouldn't know. Um, I like, you know, Waves. I got some good plugins. I, I try not to, like, oversaturate my sound with plugins, but it's really just a lot of light processing. And if I want to make it super abstract, it's like heavy processing. But yeah. I, yeah. I, I mean, never, oh, go ahead. So, sorry, no, 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 you go ahead. I never, some, most of the time, if I'm hiding, trying to hide which plugin I use, I combine plugins. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like, oh, like that's crazy. Like, what is he using? Um, my general rule is if it doesn't sound better than a preset, I don't use it. <laughs> That's yeah. good. It's um, like, you know, some of these things you can just plug into sound and hit presets. Like, oh, that sounds phenomenal. I can make a whole piece out of this. Yeah. I mean, are you, so if you're using GRM tools, um, a lot of the granulation would be coming from space grain then? Uh, I, I actually rarely don't use it. It's kind of, actually the grains are like really just through delays um oh okay or or i recently got sound toys or like during the end of adumbrations i got sound toys and they got mm-hmm. some like decapitator or tremolator um freeze you can do like granular stuff but i i, I don't really like freeze it's kind of like yeah it's kind of random to me Never really understood. Yeah, there were just so, there were just so many like stuttering things uh, in in this, you know, that obviously with all the with all the sibilance you have and the um, the the s sounds and stuff like there's so many there's so much stuttering that that kind of pointed, you know, either to some sort of granulator or a, a stutterer or you know yeah. something like that. But uh, that's that's interesting. I mean, I I don't know if you find this, but like as I get like further and further along with electronic music, I find that I use less and less. Like yeah, you know, either either I'm pretty much just using a couple plugins and then like EQ, and you know maybe some reverb or or something like that, or I'm. I do this a lot. I I tend to like build my own stuff in Max. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah definitely. Are, is um, that is that part of your like process or or anything like that? Like, I th- to me, fixed media is like an RL experience. So you kind of just like learn the tools, and then you really just select which one that works. You know, mm-hmm. uh, and you get to this point. I think the tool you're using, you can just think of a sound and just make it. Like, yeah. Like, you, you can use a tool that, like, you know, sound toys, is, I think it's, like, meant for, like, guitar stuff, but, like, I never use a guitar. <laughs> mm-hmm. And you can, like, make a decapitator sound like a, a tremolator or something. Um, but, yeah, I totally agree. Like, you can, I use less plugins as I go along. I don't, like, I remember when I start, first started fix, writing like fixed media and stuff, like my first stereo piece, there was like six GRM tools running at the same time for this one sound. And it was just like, yeah. and it was like the most artifacty thing ever. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like, you're trying to create these shepherd tones and you're like grabbing the warp tool and like, 
mm-hmm. going up and down while you're like live processing it was like so inefficient <laughs> yeah totally but, yeah something that i really love about your music is its depth and impactfulness i mean there there are always kind of a lot of a lot of layers and and i mean you you know you're creating like really really dynamic gestures i mean without you know without giving away your secrets or anything you know how do you go about creating uh creating this are you you know is each each little moment kind of its own composition are you kind of relying on like hey i'm gonna make you know, a 20 second stream in this layer and another 20 seconds in this layer and just like kind of throw them on top of each other and see what comes out and then maybe like tweak it to make some things work or, you know, like how, how are you creating that, like that level of complexity? Well, what you just said, I do that too. It's kind of like for that, I usually create like this, this 20 second reverb that has like, you know, a process sound that you use. So it kind of creates this background, like space, the context mm-hmm. of space. And I just stack certain sounds that I process that make up the gesture. Um, a lot of it, and then a lot of after that, a lot of it is tweaking to make it like, like phrasing, I guess, sculpting the phrase out. Mm-hmm. And you, and it's mainly an intuitive process. Yeah. Um, Cause the whole sound world is like, there's just so much you can just do anything with sound now, even more with like visual color, you know, um, a lot of it is multiple component sound design. Like lately more like it's especially whale song string is mainly just water sounds that are recorded and just stacking them on top of each other and like EQing, like most of it's real without any real processing um yeah i mean like i sometimes i find that you know when i'm working on a when i'm working on fixed media or something with electronics or, or whatever um you know i'll get to that point where it's like well okay i know i need this 15 seconds to be like super uh active or whatever and i could sit here and compose each individual, you know, little gesture, or probably better yet, let me just gather all the, all this kind of micro gestures that I've already made. I'm going to throw them on the screen and just kind of like, you know, move each one a little bit. Oh, okay. Well that lines up with this. So let's move that over here. That lines up with this. So let's move that over here and just like, you know, it's it, it's kind of like throw it against the wall and see what sticks sometimes. Yeah, definitely. I I actually do that a lot. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's kind of strange because I definitely think writing, you know, as you get better as a composer, you definitely need to be really good at form. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember I was watching um, Zhao gave a, uh, a talk i think you were there too it was like on zoom or something was it from and, the the florida thing yeah florida the florida yeah. one yeah yeah yeah, yeah. one of the I, students I watched it. yeah one of the students asked about intuition and 
and I, th- I think and Zhao is one of my favorite composers, and he mm-hmm. said intuition is very important, and and it, it really works. But I think intuition works when you're like a well-seasoned composer because like you learn all this form before you get to having good intuition, and I think especially electronic music is definitely an aural experience, and you just kind of have to keep grinding it out until it's like, oh, I get it now. And then, like, you can really just rely on intuition. And, I mean, you can you can hear it in other compositions, like, very successful compositions that, like, I think most of these people are just through composing. They're like, oh, I have these awesome sounds, so I'm just going to crank out this piece in two weeks. And it, it is possible because they've just been doing it for so long. Right, yeah. Mm. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're right. I mean, they're, you know, when you think about when you think about kind of notes on paper composers there, of course, there are so many ways to, um, you know, like, oh, well, I'm going to take this process and this process and, you know, layer it all together so that, you know, it's a highly structured piece. And it would seem that electronics would be perfect for something like that because, you know, oh, well, I, I can, you know, I can just, again, like take this process and this process and just meld them all together. But, but you're right. It is such there. Yeah. That'll help. That might help you get there sometimes. But at the end of the day, if you're going to write something that's really great, you kind of have to rely on that intuition, that ear, that, uh, you know, that musical quality that, that you have that, you know, that no one else has in the same way. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And like, because there's many times where I come up with a concept and I have to change it a little bit to fix the, fit the music that I just yeah. wrote. Yeah. Or like, if the concept is like so attached to me, I have to change the music to fit the concept. But then most of the time that sounds bad to me. <laughs> and I was like, I'm going to change the concept. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, both of these pieces uh, that we're going to talk about tonight utilize um, eight channel. Now, were they originally composed in the eight channel space, or yes, uh huh, yeah, uh-huh. okay. So we're obviously hearing them in stereo, but what kind of eight channel tools did you use to create motion, to create gesture uh, spatially? Um, honestly, just. Pure old good manual volume automation. Uh, seriously? Seriously, yeah. Uh, just, I don't, I like, panners are weird for me. Um, especially if you're just writing in eight channels. Like, you're writing in 16 channels or like immersive audio. I, I, I can understand like why you would need that, um, the panners. But to create fast, for me, when I use panners, like creating really fast movement, it sounds like unnatural. And then you can't, I also do a lot of EQ automation too, to yeah. enhance, enhance the movement. Um, but yeah, most, most of the time I use, I guess also like, I guess I just go on the stereo panner and kind of move it around as well. Uh-huh. But mainly I use just volume automation and just, uh, delays to do phantom imaging and all that stuff 
and a, and a lot holy of reverb. Shit, holy of reverb. shit, man! That that makes me so much more impressed by these. <laughs> I mean, like, it's it's, it's very time consuming, but um, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it was like it's kind of like I was talking to. Uh, do you know of Annette Vandergorn? Uh, I she, she, I believe she was at Ties the last time. Was she? The, maybe oh, man, one I, of the maybe one of the time. I yes, I know the name. I, and I yeah. think I've heard her music at some point. Yeah, she was like she's. I to me, she's like the best live diffuser in the world. Like crazy, but she she was like I think the last student of. Pierre Schaefer and Pierre Henri, mm-hmm. and she's and she's very into spatialization, and, and you know we only have two years, so most of the time when I think about spatialization, I think of it as an in a stereo approach, like how can I exaggerate a stereo image in multi-channel, you know? Mm-hmm. So a lot of it, like one thing I don't do, and. People don't do it, but like when they start writing eight channel music, they spin sounds around. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I, I had a few students or a few students who asked me to come listen to a piece, and I was like, well, this is a drone. Don't spin drones around because we don't hear pitches spin around our heads all the time. And, it, and, it's, and it's weird because it's like they're using, they're using some kind of panner, <laughs> clearly. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, it sounds unnatural, you know? Um, and I, you generally, for me, you generally just move, move sounds that imply movement, you know, if some sounds yeah. don't imply movement, you kind of create, and that's like reverb doesn't imply movement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's kind of enhancing the stereo image or immersive image. And, and it's like, and like the, the reason why I like doing the volume automation stuff is like, you can like put a different reverb in each channel. Like I, I use a lot of hardware too, so you can like you can create a lot of different color colors with just using a, a reverb here, a reverb there. You like if you have altiverb, like maybe the middle channels is altiverb and the back channels is some kind of other reverb. So it kind of creates it puts you in two different places, but it sounds very composite. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that's the, I do that a lot. Like. I think I have more reverb audio files than gesture, gesture audio files. <laughs> so, so how long does does a piece like this take you? You know, adumbrations. It's a, about Adam, eleven minute piece. Let's see. When I started, I started two thousand nineteen, and I've like in. I think I started recording that in March. I thought about writing it in February, but I didn't really write anything until March. And I didn't finish that until 2020. So I think either like nine, 10 months. Mm-hmm. Are uh, you working on anything else at the same time? Or is this like your sole focus? Uh, Adumbration, yeah, it was like my sole focus. Uh, okay. Yeah, it was actually um, presented incomplete at um, this is where I met Annette Van de Gorn, uh at Belgium, like a the summer academy. That that was a great learning mm-hmm. experience, and she uh, she has some nice studios. 
real nice. And it was first presented in like a 80 channel Accusmonium. It was pretty crazy. <laughs> wow. I didn't use all I didn't use all the speakers. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, that was incomplete. And then like, it was, and you like, you kind of learn like the medium, like that. Yeah, accusmatic music is more of like a, a media art than a performance art. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, like the, I'm getting faster, I guess. It comes with more experience. I'm currently writing a piece now and it's like eight minutes, but it only took me a month and a half but it's like yeah it's, it's due mean, in two weeks <laughs> cer certainly when you you know you get some of the processes down you get your workflow down um it can it can definitely like take you way 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 less time but i don't know i i always find that you know when i'm doing a fixed media piece no matter how much i record going into it there's always a point about halfway through where i'm like shit i don't have everything yet you know and you have to stop <laughs> you have to go record more stuff you have to go through you know uh call process do all the stuff again you know and it just it just seems like it drags the uh the flow of of composing down a little bit you know every, everything kind of slows down because you you know, I I did this piece uh, several years ago where it was like all um, plastic sounds and all balloon sounds. I had like two hours of uh, of each of those different materials, and at a certain point, I realized like shit, I still need more. Like not more <laughs> raw material, not more raw material, but more like okay, well let me. Let me take this little bit of sound and process the hell out of it again, you know, to get more stuff. But yeah, it's uh, it's it seems like it's a never-ending process, uh, to get you to oh, that man. point where it's like, okay, this is, you know, I finally feel like I have enough to get the idea across. Yeah, yeah, like, oh man, because like I think because for me, like sometimes I'm like I just want to keep composing and not like open up a new session to process more sound exactly like... exactly i when i when i'm doing I, I don't know if you you kind of feel the same way but when i'm doing fixed media usually i have like the um the creative mode and then the arranging mode composition happens in the arranging mode processing yeah. happens in the creative mode and it's like i if I'm yeah. switching back and forth, if you're switching back and forth too often, it just feels like you're never getting anywhere. So it's like, you know, I'll, I'll often go into the studio with the idea that, okay, I'm going to be creative. I'm going to just make sounds, make different uh, small gestures. I'm going to do that for two hours. Then I'm going to take a break and then I'm going to come back and then I'm going to take all that stuff and start throwing it at the screen and making like phrases with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, definitely, because, like, I feel like it's just, like, for me, composing is not work. It's, like, just fun. Yeah. Um, so it's, like, you just want to get in there with any sound you have and just trying to, like, make something out of it. Um, but I think, like, I think, especially in the earlier stages, you just definitely want to do it because, like, wow, it's 
especially with surround sound and immersive audio, it just sounds so great already. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then yeah. I, th- I think as I keep composing, I, I definitely need to find a concept first and, or like a plan so I know that the processing and the writing is just not like going all over the place. Mm-hmm. I remember, I remember, I remember one time, you know, I, I did that and Scott, he just paused my piece. He's like, this is too much. <laughs> he's like, I, I don't know what's, he's like, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> yeah, but when, but when you, when you can, when you have like every single sound at your fingertip, you know, you, I could like, you know, I, I have like libraries of stuff I've recorded from the past. You know, you can just go in and like grab stuff when you need it. And if you don't have that that concept that's filtering you down, filtering you down into like, okay, no, 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 I'm, th- this is the idea. Uh, this sound, while it may be cool, it doesn't fit within this particular idea. If you don't have that concept, then you you're right. You do run the risk. Of like, well, shit, this is an everything piece, you know? Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And and then it, I mean, it kind of loses a lot, you know? I mean, I, I like, for people who want to write fixed media or accused math, I think that's a good practice because it's like you're learning how to combine sounds together and making mm-hmm. them like real, com- real composite. You like understand what multiple component sound design is. Um, I remember... Totally. Yeah, I remember, I remember this one composer. He's Swedish, uh, Ak Pamarud. I took a masterclass with him, and he showed us this piece. Like, that was just—it wasn't his piece. It's just like so loud in your face, so fast. Everything's moving, but you don't know what's going on. But like some of these, like some of the like gestures are like, wow, that was ridiculously so cool. Like, uh, and I think that, I think it's kind of like. A young person thing <laughs> and it's like um you, you're like wow like electronic music is so cool you could do all of this and and i guess this when i, I mean when you hear people talk about music is they kind of like in general they're like that's too much you need to like ease back or like that's too little you need more you know most of the time mm-hmm. and i think it's like the multiple and you can to me, you can hear multiple component sound design and the detail if you add contrast after it. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, uh, let's listen to this now. So uh, this piece is called Adumbrations, and here we go. <laughs> Shit! 
slit the sheets. I slit the sheets. I I'm 
fucking get. I am a
So before we talk about Whale Song Stranding, let's talk about, you know, your your creative uh, process or creative practice a bit. Now, I mean, you know, I, I mentioned that we're only listening to Acousmatic uh, Fixed Media Works tonight. And to be honest, that's really the only thing I've ever heard of yours. Um, is that is, is that your like primary focus right now? Are you also writing acoustic or electroacoustic works as well? Or like what, are, what what's your focus? My main focus is um, just, I mean, yeah, my main focus is generally just fixed media. Um, mm-hmm. If I do write acoustic, it has to be with electronics because I, I don't know, like for a while, uh, I just, at a certain point, I was just like, I only want to write acousmatic music. <laughs> uh, it's not, nothing, nothing against like instrumental music. I like clearly uh, I love it because... Yeah, uh, you know Zhao and his interactive stuff is like amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, like what's his name? Uh, Doug, I really like his stuff. Um, Doug, Doug McCausland. Oh yeah, he's. Yeah. He, I I just talked to him the other night. Um, <laughs> oh, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, and uh, you know the thing that impresses the hell out of me with Zhao is the majority of the pieces of his that I've been like super into they're all like instrument and fixed media you know yes like he is so good at instrument and fixed media and you know obviously obviously he also does the interactive stuff too but I'm just like you know I'm I'm writing a a completely like live electronic like instrument and live electronic piece right now I've never really truly done one every single thing that I've ever done with electronics and an instrument there's always been some element of fixed media in it oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know yeah. because I that's probably the within electronics that's the medium that I feel most comfortable with 
you know, yeah, because yeah. you can, I, I, I feel like I kind of know what I'm doing, you know, in terms of making gestures and making things exactly the way I want them. And, and this time around it was like, okay, well it, you know, it's, it's just going to be live. I've, I always kind of run back to fix media at some point. And I've determined yeah. not to do it this time. <laughs> so we'll see how it goes. <laughs> but there's there's just such a uh, a level of control with uh, with fixed media that I I don't know that you can get with with live. Obviously some people can, you know. Yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't know that there's I def- can. It wasn't. I saw this really I forget. There's a lot of there's a lot of interactive pieces. You know, and to me, some of them really sound the same. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, it's getting a lot better now. I think it was just like early on because everyone's discovering Maximus P or Super Collider. Mm-hmm. And it's, and you can, it's like, it's like discovering eight channels. Like they spin sounds around. Mm-hmm. It's like discovering Maximus P. They like put in a, one of the tutorials in, in their patch or something. Right. Yeah. 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 Uh, but I, I like it when I hear interactive stuff and I don't know what they're using. Like, mm-hmm. it's like, whoa, like, what are, like, I don't even want to know because it, it kind of takes away from the magic. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's definitely, it, I feel like very good interactive works. Um, it's just, it, it sounds like it's fixed, you know? Yeah. I, <laughs> I've, I've actually kind of uh, offended um some composers before because uh i asked like okay well that was that was fixed right it was like no that was all no, live and i'm like it's <laughs> but that should have been a compliment because it was like no that's too fucking good to be to be live like that had yeah. to be fixed right you know like <laughs> anyway um yeah. uh who are who are you know you you've mentioned some composers uh you know uh, Zhao and Annette, um, but who are some other like primarily acousmatic composers that uh, primarily acousmatic composers that you you know admire, possibly like draw influence from? Like who who are you kind of looking up to that you like? Oh, I love I love a lot of the composers from Montreal, like Canada. Mm. They're mm. like all they're like all very good. I, I like. Um, Robert Normando, of course. Yeah, right. And like all his students are like really good too. Like, I really love um Georges Forget and uh, Martin Bedard. Mm-hmm. And they're like two two totally different composers. Um, like Martin Bedard has so much energy in his music, and George Georges Forget like um. I actually use his piece as a model for Whale Song Stranding because he uses water sounds too. It's called Un Il, like an island. It's, it's pretty. It's pretty phenomenal, and it's only stereo. Um, yeah, anyone from Montreal because they all they all seem to be doing different things. Because like mm-hmm. you can take like a region or a country, and they can like that's that's the UK sound or that's like the the Paris sound. But Montreal is like you can find a composer that's completely different from the other, and it's just like wow, they're very good. Um, yeah, Ar- Argent Argentine composers are amazing too. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like Horacio Vagion. Vagion, yeah. 
Yeah, he's he's yeah, phenomenal. he's he's pretty awesome. Yeah, like I was like, wow, this this dude's crazy. Like, and I think I think his music is still relevant today, even though like everyone's doing granular synthesis now. It's like you can get you can check all like all these well-known modern-day acousmatic pieces, and they all use granular synthesis. But I still think Horacio Vagione, Vagione or Vagione, um, his his stuff is still fresh. And um, I really like um, Beatrice, Beatrice Ferreira. Mm-hmm. She's very good. Very, very creative in her stuff. Like, she had this recent piece. I think it was, I don't know how to say it in French, but it was like the the, the ball and the dog. And it uses mm-hmm. like ball sounds and a dog sound. It's just so good. Uh, yeah. Uh, the, you know, Vegioni, I think that's how you're saying his name. And we were talking about this earlier. Like, you know, most of these people, you only ever read their names. You have no idea how to actually yeah, say yeah. their names. Um, yeah. But but his stuff, I there's something about it. I love how how dry how tactile how he can make something so small sound big and something so big sound small it's like it's 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 almost as if all of his sounds are just in the palm of your hands you know and it's not like these humongous like earth-shattering impacts uh, a lot of the time. I mean, it can be that, certainly. Yeah, yeah. But he also, like, I, I feel like he really focuses in on just, like, really good sounds that aren't humongous, you know? Yeah, and, it's I, crazy. I, I love like I, I love how, like, how you can feel his music, you know? Yeah, yeah, oh, my, yeah. And his timing of, like, yeah. the, the really exaggerated stuff is, like, so good, like, it really feels 3D, like it's kind of right yeah. there, and, and yeah. you're just so surprised because, like, I mean, I don't know the guy. If I did, I'll probably ask him for all his multi-channel stuff. Like, yo, can I just right. get all, like, get all of it? But it's just stereo. I'm listening to. I'm like, this is like really 3D for two speakers. Yeah. So, so let's talk about Whale Song Stranding. Uh, what does the what does the title mean? Oh, so. So it comes from, I'm doing like, I guess, a stranding series, like stuff that don't move, like they're just stuck. Like, Mm -hmm. so the concept comes from like non-development. Like it's the second movement of the stranding series. The first movement is weight stranding. And it's kind of, weight stranding comes from the idea that like each section can be described as two adjectives or contrasting adjectives, but you can use those adjectives in, to describe any section. So it's kind of like the, the music doesn't move or develop, mm-hmm. but you can like clearly distinct each section. So Whale Song Stranding is actually kind of based on two dreams I had. Um, and it's like, and each dream actually pertains to um, Whale Stranding. Um, like no, no whale died in this like no right, in yeah. my dream <laughs> but <laughs> I just I just remember a lot of things in my dream was like it's about something like about communication and like messages unfinished like I uncertainty right a lot of things are uncertain um, so the first dream I remember there's two distinct whales that 
they were just stranded. So we, me and a group of people brought both whales back into the ocean. Mm-hmm. And one whale swam off. It was like a, a sea orca. And one whale just remained stranded in the water, just like floated there. And I think it was like a beluga or white whale. So I was very curious to like what this meant, like what like what this all meant. Like so I Googled all these different whales and dreams and all that stuff. And like uh, orca was like um like something that resembles strength and I think the beluga or the white whale or something, or gray whale, meant uncertainty. So it's kind of like being stuck in two contrasting ideas. Mm-hmm. Essentially, a rock in a hard place, or whatever. Yeah, and, and it, it goes with the idea of what accusmatic means to me, like undermining, undermining the source. And, and in the second dream, I remember falling asleep at three a.m. Like rumors distinctly looking at a clock, and there was a clock in this dream that was like, in the dream was two hours, and at the end of the dream, I was walking on the beach, and there was just sea orca stranding. So when I woke up, it was 5 a.m. And the dream, it was two hours. So it was, that was my first dream in real time. Wow. So I thought of, so it was, it was pretty crazy. It was a crazy experience. Um, so it was like, wow. So this dream, this idea of a dream was being undermined by reality because it was a dream in real time. Because you can know, I guess, I don't know the science of it, but I never really looked it up or anyone has really looked it up. It was like, you know, when you dream, you dream of, a minute could be like hours in a dream, but mm-hmm. this dream was real time. So it's kind of like I was really stuck in between dream and reality. So whale song stranding was like an idea that like I was, it was, it was like really the in between states, you know? Yeah. And um, with, with this piece, you know, I, I think you mentioned earlier that a lot of it is just, water sounds that you recorded seriously like those are those are real water sounds yeah uh the drones you hear in the water i mean the drones and the the whalish sounds you hear all comes from the guitar (laughs) okay but a lot of it's just water like all water like Cause I, I was seriously going to ask you like what sound design tool are you using to create these water sounds? Because they, they sound, I mean, they, they sound processed obviously, but they also don't necessarily sound real. They're like, they're, it's almost like a, it's almost like hyper reality. You know, yeah, exactly. where, where yeah, it's exactly. like, so yeah. Okay. So can you, can you talk about like how, how you're making these water sounds, I guess? Oh, so I've recorded water in many different ways. Um, so some of these drops that you hear, so I had a big bowl of water and if you drop a quarter like flat into the water, it makes a big drop sound. Mm-hmm. So I contact Mike the water as close as possible without touching the water. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I can't splash these mics because, you know, they'll be destroyed. And um, I also use like a noise gate and, you know, the mixer. So it yeah. really is making stuff hyper real, you know. Yeah. Um, so I never 
at least in the recording process, in the experimental way, I never do corrective EQ. I do enhancing EQ. Mm-hmm. So I'm just like blasting the shit out of the low ends most of the time. Yeah. So it's like whoop, and like that huge water drop that you hear. And I also do for I, for the streams for the light streams of water. I put. I had an empty sriracha bottle and I put water in it. And if you squeeze it, you know, it makes all these like light, like it sounds like a water gun. And sometimes I would put that through an expander. So it kind of makes the water sound sound really stuttery. So you mm-hmm. can, uh, so you, it makes it sound like it's moving more. Yeah. So it's in a way it makes it sound like dry. Like I made water sound dry, I think. Yeah. So it's, so it's just like these drops that has spaces in between and it's just like, so that's one way i did like many recordings of water like this for this piece i did a huge recording process like Mm -hmm. and this was like um the beginning of the pandemic so i was just stuck in the house um but then you know i also went to the beach i went to south carolina i guess like you can say i almost died for this piece (laughs) because those 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 people don't wear a mask (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so you know so i'm like i'm in the beach i have my zoom recorder and i and i got and i got the shotgun head for it yeah and yeah shot, that's, this, what, this, that's this, what i use too yeah this thing's magical it's like it's like cheating i think <laughs> so i'm in the beach like i'm actually in the water like recording these waves coming at me i'm like i can't get this mic wet I can't, like, I just can't. <laughs> but I'm just, like, and people are just looking at me, and I'm just, like, going these three-foot waves, and I'm just, like, just getting that's, all these wa- waves That's down. the thing, man. <laughs> like, when you're when you're out in the world and actually doing, you know, recording, and no one, no one can understand what you're trying to do. But at the same time, if you just had a video camera out there, no one would blink an eye. Yeah, you no, know, we're it's like yeah, yeah. we're we're just recording. It's the same thing. It's just we it's don't. <laughs> yeah, the the worst of it for me was when I used to do this when I was living in China, because if you think South South Carolinians are gonna like look at you like you're insane, like a big goofy white guy walking around with you know a a microphone, they had no one had any idea what I was doing. Uh, ever I was I was always I felt so uh, conspicuous and so self-conscious just trying to you know be out and record stuff in the world and uh, <laughs> yeah it's uh <laughs> there was one time I was in the woods and I was uh it was like fall I was out by myself and I took the recorder with me not really having any intention of like oh I'm you know it's just like, I'm gonna take a walk I might hear something I'll just take the recorder with me so I found this, uh, there, there are these trees around where I live now. They're like the last trees to lose their leaves. And the leaves are like really thin, dry, crispy, but they're still hanging yeah. on to the tree. And you get a slight yeah. breeze through the, through the leaves and ev- they just start shimmering. You know, Yo, so, that's so cool. Yeah. So I'm out there with my Zoom, with my headphones on, like, almost climbing a tree to get as close as I can to the particular leaf that I want to record. And I see kind of a long coming on the path, uh, a woman and her dog. And I'm like, Oh shit. Like <laughs> now I'm the weirdo 
like <laughs> out here <laughs> recording leaf sounds and like the dog didn't see me for a while and then all of a sudden it was like <gasps> you know it's like oh sorry 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 i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm so sorry like like it's it's me it's clearly me that's that's in the wrong here but yeah yeah this is crazy i remember just like feeling like yo be quiet please like i know right don't ask what i'm doing right 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 um yeah yeah yeah. how does um you know you you kind of talked about in the last piece uh, with voice, you you had a singer actually singing pitch um, to to bring pitch into this piece. In this piece, you also have a lot of like uh, harmonic material, you know. So how are how are you kind of making those harmonic decisions? Um, you know, I, I, obviously, realistically, a lot of your sounds in both pieces our pitch you have a lot of synthesis in the in the previous piece i at least yeah. i think it was synthesis well, um yeah yeah so um, so how are you kind of making those harmonic decisions is there something like guiding that that o- the overall pitch trajectory or are you just kind of going from like oh well i was here so now i want to go here yeah um there's no real pitch plan um mm-hmm. to it it's kind of like this it's more it's more like interval cycles that on the top of my head if you ask me like what's the key or like what pitches i use i I couldn't tell you Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) i don't have perfect pitch but it's more it's definitely an intuitive process and in adumbrations you know um yeah liz the opera singer um she's you know she sang a lot of the pitch material and straight tone vibrato um logan and caroline they're more show tune singer so they can sing pretty much straight tones yeah um and basically if you i like to do i like to think microtonally so it's all just kind of like pitch shifting by sense Mm -hmm. and you know like researching harmonic series and what creates that beating sound Mm -hmm. um you know the fundamental and adumbration i 10 percent of the time i use super collider like, like, but it's all random. It's like noise. Like, especially you hear like after the first minute, there's like this glitchy noise. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, I guess that's the secondary theme. Um, but yeah, pitch for whale song stranding. Uh, I was more into the microtones, and my friend, my friend would yell at me because he's a microtonal composer. Like, you better do it, man. Like. No more equal, no more equal temperament, man. <laughs> uh, and I was like, "All right, fine, I'll do it." And you know, it's just like it's just like these intervals, like uh, detuned thirds, and like mm-hmm. you know, if like the tenth, like the upper partials, right? If you bring them down, and it's all based on my ear. Like, does it sound like it's vibrating or like implied movement in the pitch? Because they're not really localizable, but you can kind of sense that they're like vibrating the space mm-hmm. and, it's, and it's all yeah so it's just it's kind of like there's no real pitch sequence but like it's more of um interval stacking yeah um, because you definitely had some some harmonies in there that you know were you know somewhat cons consonant at times you know there were there were definitely some things that were based on like seconds and fifths and you know, stuff like that. It had, 
for you know for I, I don't know it maybe it's just suggestive because we're listening to so much water but it also had that kind of like the the harmonies kind of had an aqua uh yeah, yeah. color to them in in a way you know yeah it was um especially whale song shining the guitar right if you and I, I, I needed a clean guitar, clean like not like not an amplifier, not an amp sound, like a very clean. Um, and I, it was, I was thinking of like the genre dream pop, mm-hmm. and it's like I was listening to a band called the Marias, and I love the Marias. Yeah, the Marias, man, they're so yeah, awesome. Man. There's, they're, like, they're real dreamy too. And it was yeah. that one song, I don't know you. And uh-huh. I just recorded. I just recorded those chords. I had uh-huh. my wife play the guitar. I'm like, "Can you just play these chords? Because like they're pretty dreamy, you know." And yeah. The, and the and the song's about uncertainty. So I was like, you know, I'll just use these. And, That's awesome. And then I just like time stretched the shit out of it. Yeah. Um, and try to make it pure as possible. You know, just and like reverb, do a reverb on it to like make it real, like spacious. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of. And that, and that to me, and especially in Whale Song Stranding, because it's kind of in between a narrative and a, a, a discourse, you know, because mm-hmm. the narrative is like, oh, I hear water. So it kind of pictures, it's kind of a storytelling. So it kind of, and that idea was like, I need to add these dream chords because it'll undermine the narrative. It makes it seem like a dream, but the dream is also undermined by the omnipresent of the water, like the mm-hmm. reality of it all. And... And I think we come to a point. I, I remember reading a Lockamon paper about rejection, and he was just like, "We have to use tones in our music because it's so embedded in our in in our Western culture. So, so like we're so used to it, so we might as well use it or something like that." So I think you know you can just do music with just noise, but I think. Tones are very important because it kind of adds a resting place of all the tension. Yeah, yeah, and you know, as as much as people, you know, some composers don't want to engage with it, like it provides direction. Yeah, like, exactly. It, it just like, it just does like, and it's and it's an easy, you know, there there are certain composers where you know they're like, oh, I only care about timbre. You know, it's like, okay, okay, well, that's nice. But at the same time, it's like, you know, I hear their 10-minute orchestra pieces, and it's like, well, yes, your sounds are cool, your textures are cool, but they never move anywhere. Yeah, you know? it's just weird, because it's like, it just sounds like they read a book on, like, extended techniques, and they put it in there. <laughs> that's their piece. Yep, yep. <laughs> Uh, and I was like, oh great. Yeah. I can read this I can read this book too. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh let's listen to this one. So this is Whale Song Stranding.
Last question. Um, how did you find music as the thing that you wanted to pursue for your life? Um, I guess I was like 14. I mean, it became more clear when I was like 17. Like I was playing Final Fantasy. Nice. I mean, yeah, they have great music. Yeah. And it wasn't it wasn't like, you know, I'm a big Final Fantasy fan, but I was playing like Final Fantasy X2. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that one's okay but i remember this dude just playing the organ i'm like that's so cool and this mu- music's so epic and i was like i, I want to take piano lessons and then like mm-hmm. and I-, I thought i was pretty good you know but then there's this academy class that i took where you go to a different high school uh mm-hmm. and it's called music computer technology and that- i guess that's when i really decided like i just want to like compose music I went to Old Old Dominion and I was like, I guess I'll stick with this. And then, <laughs> I mean, I, I I honestly do really love composing, and I guess it really happened when I was like at the end of my undergrad. I was like, okay, I think I have a knack for this. Yeah, right. And, and that then right at the end of ODU, that's when uh, Mark Chambers introduced me to like all the crazy new stuff like electronic music spectral music um like the advent guard stuff I'm like this stuff is crazy i want to do stuff like this so i did i do have a maximus p piece but it's so old and like so <laughs> so poorly engineered <laughs> and it's like it's I like mean, the <laughs> every everyone's first max piece is like just absolute trash it's okay yeah yeah everyone's everyone's first fixed media piece is absolute trash too everyone's first whatever is is trash like it's okay you know you just let it die it's it'll (laughs) it doesn't i didn't even know what interface was and it was like i remember doing it live and like the recording right the electronic part was only mono because i had the interface set up or something wrong and i was like what's going on like <laughs> nice that's that's the sign of a true master like eight channels 64 cha- who cared mono 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 diffuse <laughs> the mono right <laughs> well awesome man so before we go can you tell people where they can find more of your music or connect with you online um i have an instagram i just i guess i i had one and i started one again just uh, just strictly for music you just type in my name and you could probably find it and all my music is on soundcloud and you can just type in my name david q win or new n composer and it should just pop up cool thanks so much for doing this david no problem thank you for having me thanks for listening as always if you want to find out more about adjective new music or lexical tones please go to our website, www.adjectivenewmusic.com.